test. Turn with me now to Matthew chapter 6. Matthew 6. We're continuing our sermon series looking through the Sermon on the Mount. So Matthew chapter 6, beginning with verse 1. Beware of practicing your righteousness before other people in order to be seen by them. For then you will have no reward from your Father who is in heaven. Thus, when you give to the needy, sound no trumpet before you, as the hypocrites do in the synagogues and in the streets, that they may be praised by others. Truly I say to you, they have received their reward. But when you give to the needy, do not let your left hand know what your right hand is doing, so that your giving may be in secret. And your Father who sees in secret will reward you. The Gospel of Jesus Christ. Well, the last six weeks, as we've journeyed through the Sermon on the Mount, in chapter 5, we, we looked at how Jesus was correcting a misinterpretation from the Pharisees. The, the Pharisees were a group of people that were called holy ones or separated ones, and they, they really prided themselves on knowing the Old Testament law and also on uh, doing certain practices to look good amongst the public, and they were considered separate from the rest of the world. And in chapter 5, we, we looked at the last six weeks and how Jesus corrected a misinterpretation of the law of God from the Pharisees. And now we shift gears into chapter 6 and how Jesus corrects their, their misapplication of it. He talks about their practices and uh, their, their lifestyle and, and certain uh, things that they did to, to really make themselves look good in the public eye. And there were three common practices or practice, practices that the Pharisees did. Uh, they, they, would, they would obviously give to the needy, they would pray, and they would fast on a regular basis. Those were the three things that the, the Pharisees prided themselves on by, by really making themselves look good and by checking off a box each week to say, well, Lord, I gave my money to the poor or I prayed to you or I, I fasted this year and so uh, the, the boxes have now been checked. Jesus knew that this was a problem in his day. He was talking to Pharisees in his audience. He was also talking to believers in the Lord and his disciples. And he was trying to get at the heart of the issue by, by explaining how the Pharisees, although they were doing the right things by praying and by giving and by fasting, they were doing it for the wrong reasons. Jesus was more concerned about the motivations and the intent behind the action than he was the action itself. And in, the, in these verses, starting in chapter 6, we're going to look at these three common themes that the Pharisees did and they, they taught about and they practiced, and that is of giving, of praying, and of fasting. That's why Jesus started out in Matthew 6, 1 by saying, beware of practicing your righteousness before other people in order to be seen by them, for then you will have no reward from your Father who is in heaven. What Jesus was getting at here is he's saying, beware, disciples, beware, beware people listening to me of being like the Pharisees who are kind of tooting their own horn. And they're, they're trying to prove that they are separate ones, that they are holy, that they are righteous and good people. Beware of your intent, of your motivation of why you are to pray and give and to fast. Jesus later in Luke 18, he described a Pharisee by focusing on these three common practices of the Pharisees by giving a parable 
of the, the parable of the, the Pharisee and tax collector. And this is the word, these are the words of Jesus in Luke 18. He told this parable to some who trusted in themselves that they were righteous and treated others with contempt. He said, two men went up to the temple to pray, one a Pharisee and the other a tax collector. The Pharisee standing by himself prayed these words saying, God, I thank you. I am not like other men, extortioners, unjust, adulterers, or even like this tax collector. Look at these words. I fast twice a week. I give tithes of all I get. But the tax collector standing far off would not even lift up his eyes to heaven, but he beat his breast and he said, God, be merciful to me, a sinner. And Jesus went on to say, I tell you, this man went down to his house justified rather than the other. For everyone who exalts himself will be humbled, but the one who humbles himself will be exalted. As Jesus spoke these words and gave this story about a Pharisee and tax collector, he described how the Pharisee was just checking off the boxes to his religious life. And he said, well, I prayed in the synagogue. I gave my tithes this week and I fasted several times this week. I went above and beyond the the duty of fasting. And so aren't I special? Well, look at me. I'm kind of a big deal. Jesus is saying, beware of that mindset. Be careful of having that motivation. Jesus was exposing the hearts of the Pharisees and he's saying, you don't need to be like the Pharisee, but instead as believers in the Lord, you are to approach God as the tax collector who stood far off from the temple and he beat his breast in humility saying, Lord, have mercy on me, a sinner. As we approach an almighty God, we must approach him in that way acknowledging our desperate need for God, knowing that apart from God, we would be nothing. We are worthless and helpless. We are dead in our sins. We are darkened. Our minds are darkened. Our hearts are hard. But because of our loving and gracious God, because of Jesus Christ, he has forgiven us of our sins. And so therefore, we approach his throne of grace with humility and even with boldness, knowing that he loves us and he has forgiven us. Blessed are those who are poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of God. That is the perspective that Jesus wants us to have, not the perspective of the Pharisees by saying, oh, look at me, I have everything all together. I got my ducks in a row. No, Jesus is saying not one of you has it together, but because he does, that's what makes grace so powerful. And so as we look and continue on in Matthew 6, we're going to see this theme that Jesus talked about is he's confronting the Pharisees and their traditions and their practices. And he's saying, even though they're doing the right thing, they're doing it for the wrong reasons. The next few weeks, we're going to look at praying and we're going to look at fasting. But today we're going to spend the rest of our time focusing that on giving. And as we look at these four verses in Matthew 6, there's two things I want you to take away. The first thing is that giving for the praise of men, it leads to temporal rewards. Giving for the praise of men, it leads to temporal rewards. The second thing I want you to take away from is giving for the glory of God, it leads to eternal rewards. Giving for the glory of God, it leads to eternal rewards. So first we see here that giving for the praise of men, it leads to temporal rewards. Look what Jesus went on to say in verse two. Thus, when you give to the needy, Notice he said here, when you give. He didn't say, if you give. He said, when you give. Giving to the poor is the expectation of any Christian. 
It's the expectation that God gives us in his word. It's the expectation from Jesus himself. Jesus expects all of us to give, to give our time, our talents, and our treasures. That's a, that's a given in Christianity. We are all called to give. And so it's not a matter of if you give, it's a matter of when you give. In fact, Deuteronomy 15, 11 tells us, for there will never cease to be poor in the land. Therefore, I command you, you shall open wide your hand to your brother, to the needy and to the poor in your land. Right here, Moses through the Holy Spirit is saying, there's always gonna be the poor among us, always. There will always be homeless, homelessness. There will always be people who are in poverty. There will always be third world countries for us to, to help. And as Christians, it's our duty to help the poor. Proverbs 14, 31, whoever oppresses a poor man insults his maker, but he who is generous to the needy honors him. Whoever oppresses a poor man, in other words, if you don't help the poor, then you're insulting God, our maker. But for those of us who are generous to the poor, then we honor our maker. So the concern that Jesus brought up was that he wanted to make sure his disciples were doing the right things for the right reasons And he went on to say that when you give to the needy, sound no trumpet before you as the hypocrites do in the synagogues and in the streets that they may be praised by others. What is Jesus talking about here? Well, in Jesus's day, there was a certain horn. It was called the shofar. It was a a ram's horn that was in the shape of a trumpet. And oftentimes at the end of a work day, This shofar would be blown where people all across town could hear it because it was a loud trumpet, a loud horn. And right at the end of a workday, what would happen was is the Jewish people, they would quickly close up their shop and, and their businesses and they would literally run to the synagogue and they would give to help the poor. They would they would put their money in what we would call the collection plate. In the offering, and by the way, the collection plate in the Jewish day, it was shaped in the form of a trumpet. And so as they're putting the money into this trumpet-shaped collection box, it was also a loud clinging sound so everybody around them could hear that money was being given to help the poor. And they also wanted everybody across town to know that they were there in the synagogue to give, to give to help the poor. Not only was the shofar blown to help the poor, but there were even times of drought in Jesus's day. And, and anytime there was a drought in Jesus's day, uh, the Jews, would, they would purchase water and they would have a water carrier just carry this water through town. And as he's carrying this water through town, he's, he, said, he said a couple things. He said with a loud voice, oh, thirsty ones, come to drink the offering. And when the people of the town would run to get water because they're thirsty, because there's been a drought for a time, then as they're drinking water from this nice gentleman-like carrier, he says to them, bless me who gave you this drink. He's saying, just thank me because look what I've done for you. You're thirsty and so I'm giving you water. So bless me for giving you this drink. This was the context that Jesus was talking about in this day. He's saying, don't blow your trumpets when you give to the poor. You're expected to give, but don't make a spectacle out of it. Don't make a big scene out of it. Don't make a show out of it. But instead, you're to do so in secret. Now, as I was thinking about this particular context and this analogy, I thought about what that would look like today. And so I just want you to imagine it's, you know, right now. It's during the service, and here I am, and... 
I just want everybody to know, you know what? I'm giving my money. Here's a collection box of tithes and offerings. And I want everybody to just kind of hear it. You know, you can hear it just kind of being clicked in this box. Yeah, I mean, this is kind of a big deal. I mean, I'm, I'm giving away my money, right? I want everybody to know. And then after I give it, after I've, I've taken the time so that everybody can see me doing it. And in fact, you know what? I got a little bit more here. Can you hear the clinging sound? Yeah, you can hear it. Here, I'll, I'll put my mic up so you can hear it even more. Yeah, you can hear that clinging, right? That sounded good, didn't it? And then I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to announce it. So, so the world can hear that Seth Hammond just gave his money to the church. Isn't that amazing? I want everybody to know I'm blowing up my trumpet here. I want everybody to know that I just gave my money to the church. Good for me, right? Wow, what an awesome thing I just did. That's, that's how crazy this was. This is what was going on in Jesus' day. He's saying people are blowing trumpets and they're making a big scene out of, uh, out of what they're supposed to do in the first place. They're trying to pat themselves on the back, on their back, shame on them. And as I, as I thought about this message, I thought about what does this look like? And I know that was a crazy example. But what, what does this look like today in our modern day? Well, think about all the plaques that you see on the walls that are intended to be read for generations to come. Think about all the press releases that inform the world of generous donations. Think about press conferences that are, that are put on uh, where just every now and then there's a, a name that slipped in the conversation of a billionaire or a millionaire who, who gave away his or her money to a great cause. Think about all the nonprofit fundraising dinners that I go to and many of you go to. Anytime you go, there's always the top givers. There's always the gold star and the silver and the bronze members who gave their money so that they could support this great cause. I was even thinking practically about you and me and how we can even brag about how God provides for us as we give. Now, Malachi teaches us to give your tithes and offerings and God will open up the floodgates. Absolutely. And there are times where it's appropriate for us to share our testimony and talk about how God really does bless us as we give. I think that's fully appropriate. What I'm talking about, though, is if you're always talking about it. If you're always saying, oh, you know, I gave this amount and God blessed me with this. And I gave this and God. And if you're just always talking about it, that's over the top. And Jesus is saying, that's not what this is about. John MacArthur, he told a story of a man who was visiting his church one Sunday. And at the end of the service, the, the man pulled out his check, checkbook and he started writing out the dollar figure and then he handed him the check. And he said, Pastor MacArthur, I, you know, I really appreciate this service and expect to see me. You know, I'll end up joining the church. In fact, I'm gonna give you these checks every single week with this same amount. I just want you to know that. And MacArthur looked at him and said, uh, that's not how we do things here. You know, I appreciate the generosity and the thought behind it, but you really need to do it in secret. And he said, and we have, that's why we have the tithes and offerings and the, and the plate. And MacArthur said, in fact, I don't even know what our people give. And just so full disclosure for you all here at Christ Covenant, my church family, I don't know what you give. I have no earthly amount, earthly clue of what you give. I have no idea. I really don't. I don't know what, what you tithe. I don't know what you give. And I refuse to know. There's a few people who do our accounting that has a general idea, 
But a lot of times when there's cash given or anonymous giving, we don't know. So I bring all that up because <laughs> you don't need to write a check and hand it to me and say, hey, here you go. I, I don't need to know the amount. I appreciate the thought. I appreciate the generosity, but it's not about that. It's about giving in secret. It's not about the, the fanfare or the spectacle or the parade. And notice what Jesus went on to say. He said, sound no trumpets before you as the hypocrites do in the synagogues and in the streets. The hypocrites. Now, do you know what a hypocrite is? I think we all know what a hypocrite is. But the Greek word here that Jesus used is hypocrites, which is a word that comes from the world of theater. The problem with the Pharisees is that their religion was theatrical. They were putting on a show. They were actors and actresses. They weren't really, they weren't really who they said they were. In ancient drama, there was an important play, or an important part of the play was fulfilled by the chorus. And so oftentimes in an opera or a musical, you would have this big crescendo moment of the play that was sung by the chorus, and then right after the chorus, you would have the main character be applauded or, or say something. In the same way Jesus is saying here, these Pharisees are nothing but actors. They're putting on a show just because they want the applause from the, after the chorus is sung. They want people to sing their praises just like the chorus. You know, actors back in Jesus' day, whenever there were plays, they didn't wear makeup like they do today. They wore masks. So Jesus was getting at, these Pharisees are wearing masks. They aren't really who they say they are. Because I know what's going on inside their hearts. And their hearts are hard. They're selfish people. They're prideful people. They're all about themselves. In fact, even though they're giving to the needy, they're taking advantage of the needy because they want credit for, for giving to the needy. He's saying they're nothing but actors. And I don't know if you've ever seen an actor, uh, even an Academy Award winning actor who is interviewed and they kind of mumble and jumble through the, the, the interview? Well, it's because they don't have a script. The Pharisees were just going off a script. And then Jesus was exposing them by taking them off the script and saying, look at who they really are. Look at what they're really doing. So as we give, we are not to give for selfish reasons. We're not to give to parade around our goodness but instead, we are to give secretly, discreetly. Charles Spurgeon said, to stand with a penny in one hand and a trumpet in the other is the posture of hypocrisy. What results in the actions of the hypocrite, of the actor, of the Pharisee? Well, Jesus goes on to say, truly I say to you, they have received their reward. The NIV is saying they've received their reward in full, in full amount, it's really an accounting phrase that means what it says. They've received their reward. Yeah, they, they gave and they received the applause. But notice here that it doesn't say they gave for God. So there's no eternal reward. It's just temporal. It's short-lived. It's fleeting. And think about when you, <laughs> let me just think about when you see all these plaques of names. Do you know any of those names on the plaques? I don't. 
Friday, I was at the Tennessee State Capitol, and we, we, we went on a tour, and it was amazing because the tour guide, he, he showed us all these beautiful paintings of past governors of the state of Tennessee. I recognized four of them out of the eight. And he said, Governor Lee's not up here yet, but we're going to put his picture up here very soon, and we're going to remove this guy. I don't even remember his name. We're going to remove this guy from the wall because that was many years ago. That spoke volumes to me that this guy was the governor of our state, and I didn't even know who it was years ago, and his painting's going to be removed. Have you ever gone to a fundraising banquet? I go to them all the time. And when you go to these banquets, you're handed this bulletin and it has all the list of all the major donors or the offices or the corporations that gave to help, to help write off this banquet. What do you do with that paper, that bulletin, when it's all said and done? You throw it away. You don't remember who gave. I'll never forget this. I was at a Tennessee football game. I think it was five years ago. And there was a guy who was in the middle of a quarter and they bring this guy out to the 50-yard line with his family and they announced, so-and-so just gave $50 million to the University of Tennessee and everybody cheered. Guess what? I don't remember the guy's name. I even tried to Google this week, Google his name and I couldn't find it. I still, to this day, don't remember the guy who gave $50 million. He wanted the world to know, 107,000 or 104,000 people they saw it that day. They applauded. The, the millions of people watching applauded. But I, don't, I couldn't tell you who it was five years later. Why do I bring this up? Because if we're giving with the motivation to receive applause and to get credit for it, it's short-lived. It's temporary. It will soon be forgotten. And so many big donors that I've met over the years that have given to other causes they're exhausted because after they give and they make this announcement, then they're flooded with other requests. And most of the time they run out. A lot of the time they run out because they're flooded with requests. It's exhausting. So again, what Jesus is saying here, even though these Pharisees have received their reward, it's short-lived. It's temporary. But he goes on to say, if you give for the glory of God, it will lead to eternal rewards. Giving for the glory of God will lead to eternal rewards. Verse three, but when you give to the needy, do not let your left hand know what your right hand is doing so that your giving may be in secret. What's he getting at here? Obviously, the left hand is gonna see your right hand, but what he's, what he's getting at here is as you give your money to the poor or to causes, it's as if you just get your money in your right hand and you quickly put it in the offering plate or wherever and, and, and it's where your right hand, because most of us are right-handed, you quickly make that payment where the left hand can't even see it. And then you just, even when the left hand tries to come around to see it, it you're already done. In other words, what Jesus is getting at is we are to give secretly, discreetly, quickly. And then we are to move on. We aren't to parade about it and say, hey, look what I just did. I'm kind of a big deal. No, we are to move on. We are not to jot it in our diaries. We are not to mark it down, but we are to move on. That's what Jesus is getting at here. I like what D.A. Carson said about it. He said, the way to avoid hypocrisy is not to cease giving, but to do so with such secrecy that we scarcely know what we have given. Give with such secrecy that we scarcely know what we have given. Bottom line is this. Jesus was getting to the heart. 
He was exposing the heart of the people, just as he's exposing our hearts today. What is our motivation when we do things for him? Are we doing it for him? Are we doing it for ourselves? You know, what was sad about all this is that as the text goes on in verse four, Jesus went on to say, your father who sees what is done in secret will reward you. Notice the term he gave to describe God, father. Your father will reward you. You know, the tragedy about all of this, about the Pharisees, is that they really didn't understand who God was. They viewed God as a transactional God, that if I do these things, then he will reward me for this. He will love me if I do these things. It's like a transaction. They didn't see him as a transformational God. They saw him as a transactional God. They didn't understand that God was their father. In fact, some of them even saw God as a slave driver. I bring this up because as you go to Luke 15, there's a familiar parable, the parable of the lost son. Many of you know that story that Jesus gave in Luke 15. And the young son, he took, he took his father's money and he left and he spent it all on crazy living. He was a rebel, wild child kid. And all of a sudden he ran out of money and so he ran back home out of desperation. And what did his father do? He ran to him and he embraced him and he loved him. And he threw a party for him. But at the party of his lost son that was now found, who was standing outside of the building or outside of the room during the party? Yet the older brother, the Pharisee. And what did the Pharisee say to his dad? He said, look, dad, all these years I've been slaving for you and never disobeyed your orders. All these years I've been giving. All these years I've been going to church. All these years I've been fasting and praying. I've done everything I'm supposed to do. But yet this son of yours who (laughs) was wild, you're now having a party for? That doesn't make sense. You see, the problem with the elder brother in that story that Jesus shared is he didn't understand God was his father. He didn't understand that God was a transformational God who was all about changing our hearts from the inside out. He just saw him as a transactional God that if I do these services, then I'll get rewarded for it. He really saw him as a a slave driver. And you'll find in the next few weeks as we continue looking through Matthew 6, that there's a common word that you will see from verses one through 18 in Matthew six, and that word is father. 10 times in 18 verses, Jesus uses the word father. Why does he do that? He does it because the Pharisees had no clue who the father was. But he's talking, Jesus was talking to his disciples saying, why do you give? Why do you pray? Why do you fast? Because God is your father. And he loves you abundantly. He is so generous and gracious to you that you can't help but respond with gratitude and thanksgiving and generosity. Because he's your dad. He loves you so much. And the Pharisees, they just did not understand that major concept. In fact, towards the end of his ministry, Jesus confronted the Pharisees in Matthew 23 And he said, woe to you, teachers of the law and Pharisees, you hypocrites. You shut the door of the kingdom of heaven in people's faces. You yourselves do not enter, nor will you let those enter who are trying to. 
Woe to you, teachers of the law and Pharisees, you hypocrites. You travel over land and sea to win a single convert, and when you have succeeded, you make them twice as much a child of hell as you are. Strong words, but Jesus is saying, Pharisees, because you don't understand that God is your father, you only see him as a, as a slave driver, as a tyrant, because you don't understand it, you're leading people to hell. That's why Jesus spoke so firmly to these Pharisees and why he speaks so firmly to you and me today to remind us who we worship, to remind us why we give. We give to please God and to, God and, and to please him alone, not to please ourselves or to please others. We give to help others. We give to serve others, period. In fact, everything we have is God's. He's our father who has given us everything. It's all a gift from him. And it's only by the grace of God that we're here today, only by the grace of God that we have heaven waiting. I like what John Calvin said. We ought to be satisfied with having God for our only witness. We ought to be satisfied with having God for our only witness. As we give in secret, we are reminded from these words that God rewards those of us who are faithful who are not looking for fanfare, not looking for a public spectacle, not looking for people to applaud us, but instead we're just simply seeking to please our Father. Now, I love when I see my kids and they look over when they're playing sports or when they're at a piano recital and they look over to mom and dad to make sure we're there. That's what God wants from us. I mean, it's as if we're looking and saying, God, you're our father, and we're so glad you're with us, and we just want to please you. That's the response, the motivation behind why we do what we do as Christians. It shouldn't be for self-gain and self-approval, but it should be simply to please the Lord. So what kind of reward are you looking for? Your answer will depend on how you think of God. Do you view him as a transactional God, as a slave master and tyrant? Or do you view him as your father who is in the business of transformation? Let's pray.